بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد وما أمروا إلا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين حنفا وقال تعالى ألا لله الدين الخالص وقال تعالى إلا الذين تابوا وأصلحوا واعتصموا بالله وأخلصوا دينهم لله الله سبحانه وتعالى says they have not been ordered وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ They have not been ordered except to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to make their practices of religion purely for, for, the, purely for Him. مُخْلِصِينَ To do ikhlas, to purify something. Allah says, Allah lillahi dinul khalis. For Allah subhanahu know that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only pure faith. Meaning he doesn't accept anything but pure faith. Allah says, Illa Latina Tabu wa aslahu wa tasamu billahi wa ahlasu dinahum lillah. Except the ones who make tawbah and return to Allah, and those who reform, and those who hold on firmly to the to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who make the deen and their faith purely for him so the whole concept of this is to make the deen any aspect of the deen that you do purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا this is speaking about ikhlas in another sense, in the negative sense, in the sense that is describing what ikhlas is. So whoever hopes to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they should do good deeds. They should do pious deeds and righteous deeds. And they should not ascribe or consign in their worship of their Lord, in their worship of their Lord, they should not consign anybody else to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They should not ascribe any partners in their worship. So just looking at these uh, uh, Quranic verses that seem to explain the concept of ikhlas and what Allah wants from us, what you understand from here is that anything that you do as the deen needs to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can't be for anybody else at the same time or it can't be for somebody else though in the apparent sense of it, it seems to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can't do an action that is supposed to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do it for somebody else. It's almost like you're stealing that action which is supposed to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It has all the signs of being for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like for example, salat or donating or whatever the case is. Right? People even think that is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and expect that it should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But inside, you've got a secret... You know, we have a secret uh, agreement with somebody else, so we're doing it for somebody else. An implicit agreement, in a sense. And in the last of these verses, it showed us the haqiqah of having no ikhlas, which is to uh, want to do it for somebody else, to impartner somebody else with it. This last verse, whoever wishes to meet his Lord, he should in a good state. Everybody's going to meet there, but who's willing to meet their Lord, who's hoping to meet their Lord in a good state, they should do good deeds and they should not ascribe any partners in his worship. He should not ascribe any partners in his, in his worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was 
revealed about somebody who um, worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worked for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but then loved to be praised for it. It's a very, very precarious situation, but such a common, uh, such a common pitfall, such a common challenge. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa now to further clarify, you can see because ikhlas, what I'm trying to do uh, in this session is to understand ikhlas from the texts. So we get a Quranic and prophetic understanding of ikhlas directly and then to understand it through the, uh, the scholars thereafter. Because ikhlas is something that we are trying to achieve inshallah in our worship. Otherwise, even the small amount of worship that we do or acts that we do for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go to waste and become redundant. So essentially, if we don't do this worship purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's, it's completely wasted. So I think we need to really refresh our understanding and get to the bottom of what ikhlas really is. So hopefully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us ikhlas. That's, that's the way I'm looking at this. Because it is really something that people will struggle with. And that's why the mashayikh, they say that ikhlas is sometimes one of the most difficult things that you will eventually achieve. And it's something that you have to constantly attempt and constantly try for. And one day then you will fully, inshallah, 100% become mukhlis, inshallah. Musab ibn, uh, Musab ibn Sa'd uh, relates from his father who said that once my father thought that he had some kind of special special merit or special virtue uh, over some of the other companions of the Prophet ﷺ that for some reason or the other were in lower status than him. Now, how would you count status in the Sahaba? Uh, maybe he became Muslim before them. Maybe he used to sit closer to the Prophet ﷺ more frequently. He used to be with the Prophet ﷺ while others weren't as much. You know, they, they, they were Sahaba but they didn't come as much to the gatherings uh, or they didn't attend as much they were more busy with something whatever the case was he just felt that he had some kind of virtue that's what he felt so the Prophet ﷺ said to him Innama nasar Allahu azza wa jalla. actually no this was uh, not his sense of fadila over uh, people uh, of inferior connection but rather inferior in the world it seems weaker people, uh, poorer people, more needy people. So the Prophet ﷺ said, "Inna nasar Allahu azza wa jalla hadhihi al-umma bi-dhiafiha wa da'watihim wa ikhlasihim." That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala assists this umma by its weak by its weak ones and their du'as and their ikhlas so this ummah gets benefit in three ways communal benefits just general benefit for everybody it's almost like saying that because there are certain weak people the government has more schemes to help the people otherwise it just takes 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 every time the government is cutting back and reducing benefits, what stories do you hear? 
You hear about the stories of that poor woman in the flat, the one with five kids or something like this. This is to evoke emotion so that the government thinks more from an emotional side as opposed to just trying to balance the books. Now, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also helps people according to the weak. Because weak people generally you have more rahm and mercy for. You have more compassion for them. And of course their du'as and ikhlas. So ikhlas is one really important thing that comes about from this. Allah's help comes to the ummah because of ikhlas. And if we look around what may be the chaos despite the fact that there are so many masajid and there are so many more Islamic books around and maybe uh, scholars around and uh, access to things of this nature, so much more learning is but still we don't get the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or we could get more assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This may be the case that this is all hollow that's taking place or not as fulfilling as it should be. Ali uh, ibn Abi Talib Karamallah Wajhu says, La tahtammu li qillatil amal. La tahtammu li qillatil amal. Don't be too concerned about the smallness of your deed. Don't be too concerned about the fact that you have very less deeds. Meaning, don't keep beating yourself. Focus on qubul. Now, of course, this has to be balanced in the sense that a person. Uh, who only does a few deeds says I'm only focused on qubul at the end of the day is that a reality or is that just a claim because sometimes shaitan can misguide us right? sometimes shaitan can misguide us by making us feel that oh it's qubul is everything but we don't really get qubul it's a slogan when these things become slogans when these things become just claims especially to beat uh, to defend yourself against somebody else and say, oh, you don't have to do that much. Why are these guys all doing that much for? The main thing is Qubul. Well, where's, do you have Qubul? What are you doing for Qubul? Because if a person is really concerned about Qubul of his actions, you can see it in their face, generally speaking. There's just something about a person who's humble for the sake of Allah. They will not speak like this. They will not diminish acts. They will respect what others are doing, but for themselves, at least, they'll be focused on Qubul. But they won't be diminishing other people. In this regard. So Ali radiallahu says that do not worry too much about the paucity of your deeds. Focus on qubul. Because the Prophet sallallahu said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an, akhlis al-amal yujzika minhu al-qaleel. Do your, purify your actions and even a small amount will suffice you then. But the thing is that what one has to understand in all of this is that you can't just learn ikhlas like that. You can't just gain qubuliyah like that. You have to do a lot and try for ikhlas in all of them and hope that in some the ikhlas will be gained. One of the biggest things that people learn by going to the Ahlullah is ikhlas. That's what one of the biggest things that they gain. They learn how to do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the reason why we do so much dhikr or we're supposed to do so much dhikr is to talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, take his name so much that then that permeates everything. That becomes our focus. Because if we're just for, uh, believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or rather practicing uh, doing deeds for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's the thing to do, 
then we're not doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's a, there's a layer where a person becomes immersed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it is. So as a practice, you could be going to the masjid, you could be doing this, you could be doing that, but Allah is nowhere in the picture in this. It's just a practice, a hollow practice. Because it's maybe a nice thing to do, it suits your status quo. You get certain benefits by this, people respect you and consider you, whatever. But if inside in the uh, uh, silence of your, you know, in your isolation, when you're not with other people, a person knows what his status is or her status is. Uh, the Prophet said, The first people to be questioned on the Day of Judgment is a person who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given ilm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What have you done with your knowledge? O oh my Lord, I used to stand at night and at the two ends of the day in worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You're a liar. The malaika will say you're a liar. The angels will say you're a liar. What you wanted was that you be seen before Fajr, Tahajjud time, in the masjid, after Isha, during long nawafil. And you just wanted to be seen in this worship and people would say alim. So that's already been said anyway. People have said that. You've got lots of praise in this world. So khalas, that's it. You've got your reward. Another person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gave a lot of wealth. Allah will say to him, I gave you so much of my gifts. What did you do with it? He said, Ya Rabb, I used to make sadaqah both night and day. I used to make sadaqah with it. At all times I used to make sadaqah. Allah says, you're a liar. The angels will say, you're a liar. What you wanted was that people say, oh, he's such a honorable, such a... Uh, generous person that's already been said you've got your reward for what you wanted another person fighting and uh, being killed in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah will say the same thing to him I commanded you to do jihad and uh, or rather he would say you commanded me to do jihad and I did that until I was killed eventually as well so I became a martyr I didn't even come back alive. So Allah will say, you're a liar as well. The angel will say the same thing. You wanted to just be called the brave one, the brave warrior. And that's already been called. You've already gone down in history as like, like that. Abu Hurairah anhu says, then Abu Hurairah says that the Prophet when he was mentioning this hadith, he then, he hit me on my, uh, on, on my, um, on my leg and he said, Ya Abu Hurairah, these are the first of the people that the fire will be kindled by. When the narrator of this hadith <coughs> came to Muawiyah and related this hadith to him, <coughs> Muawiyah then began to cry you know, very much and then he said, Sadaq Allah. Because Allah says, Man kan yurid al akhirah, man kan yurid al hayat al dunya wa zinataha, a'malahum fiha. Uh, but <clears throat> he mentioned that verse <clears throat> whoever wants this world Allah will give it to him and that's exactly what this is so although this hadith has been mentioned many many times I just wanted to put it into perspective here that the whole point of this is the biggest challenge to us in any worship that we do or anything good that we do is that because we're social creatures and a lot of the stuff we do will be known by society and mashallah 
they can raise a person up and they can put a person down as well we get caught up in that and that's what this hadith underscores it is tough it is tough that's why introspection every day is very important not just sometimes because if you have introspection about what are our deeds really for then we'll think about it then we have we stand more chance to purify because if we don't and we think not much about it then you could just get into a stream of no ikhlas and then you correct yourself after six months or something like that or after a year but then subhanallah you've just lost all of this six months that's why constant introspection is important so that even if there is some pollution we can actually help ourselves and get better and ikhlas has to be learnt really that's what the ulama ikhlas has to be learnt it doesn't come about just like that you you get it wrong and you learn you get it wrong you learn that's why you don't abandon deeds because of the <clears throat> the threat of having no ikhlas in it it's mentioned there's a very eye-opening story there's a, a worshipper <clears throat> most likely from the previous one of the previous nations can you just open the doors Eva? it's related about this abid this worshipper so when we say abid generally it's a person who's given to a lot of worship and doesn't have as much ilm necessarily their whole focus is a lot of worship right because worship has to be tempered with knowledge that's how you can avoid pitfalls and uh, innovation, absence of ikhlas. That, that's why it's important. So it's related that he used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a very, very long time. And once a people came to him, a group of people came to him and they said that, you know, there's a, nearby, there's a people who seem to be worshipping this tree. <clears throat> they don't worship Allah anymore, they're worshipping the tree. They're doing this kind of shirk. He got very angry, took his axe put it on his shoulder, went out uh, to sort this out, to cut this tree down. Now Iblis comes about in front of him. Iblis comes about in front of him. In the, uh, in the form of this old man, in the form of this old man, this old man comes in front of him. Where are you going? Rahimakallah. Aina turida rahimakallah. May Allah have mercy on you. He even speaks the lingo, shaitan. Right? So that's why the shayateen, they, they, they even speak the lingo they, that, that it makes it even more confusing he can take on uh, these, these different uh, kind of uh, uh, roles as such where do you want to go? he said I want to go and cut this tree down he thought he'll get some sympathy from him he said what have you got to do with this tree? why does it concern you? you abandon your worship you're occupying with yourself, you know, your engagement with yourself and you freed yourself up from all of this to go for this particular deed. So he said, well, this part of my worship to do this. It's also worship to do this. <clears throat> he said, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you cut it. That's what the old man said to him. So he started fighting with him. So the Abid, mashallah, managed to grab him, throw him to the ground, sat on his chest and then this old man that Iblis says to him let me go and t uh, let me go let me t let me speak to you you know like he asked for uh, kind of peace he says let me speak to you let me go so i can speak to you so he got off him and Iblis said to him 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has resolved this from you. Allah doesn't need you to do this. This is not your responsibility. He hasn't made this necessary on you. Yeah, you don't have to go and cut trees. You have to do Amal Ma'ruf Nahil Munkar in a particular way. But he's trying to tell him that this is not fard on you to do this. You didn't worship it. And for you, there's no other responsibility. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has anbiya. Because that's probably throughout Bani Israel time when they had prophets in all tribes and everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has anbiya in these different areas of the, of the earth. If, they, if Allah wanted, he would have sent one of them and told him to cut it. So it's not your responsibility. So the Abid said, La min I have to cut it. It's necessary for me to cut it. So he didn't listen to him. So again he contested him. So the Abid fought with him and got on his chest again. And Iblis became totally weakened in this regard. And then he said, okay, fine. He said, let me say something final to you which will be more beneficial and better for us both. So let me go and let me speak about this. He said, what is it? He says, let me go first and then I'll tell you what it is. So he let him go. So you can see this, Abid is a nice guy. You know, like he's letting him go. He's not, you know, because he's willing to listen to him. He's willing to listen to him. So then the Iblis said that you're a fakir. You're not a very wealthy person. You're a poor person. And you have no possessions. And in fact, you are like a burden on people because they have to support you. They have to support you. Right. Um, I did want to mention that uh, I used to see, you don't see that much here, but in India, when I've been there a few times, I used to see that every day without fail, there's a person who used to come, a faqir, Allah ke liye kush de de, you know, and food. So he's asking for some basic food. And people used to give him. It's tradition. It's not like, oh, he comes every day. He used to give him. So I used to wonder, how is this a style of, how is this a routine of life? Why doesn't he get a job? Why doesn't he do something about this? One is, you know, you, you're in need for a few days or something. You're struggling. And then you've done something. But this guy has got a lungi on. He's, you know, like you can tell, he's just a faqir. Like, resigned to this kind of life probably has a little place to stay or whatever but he comes to get food every day and people give it to him so then I was reading uh, Ibn Ajiba and he said that there have been some awliya of Allah who have resigned to this type of life resigned to this type of life where they had reasons for it to focus on their worship completely and not engage in anything and they had people around them that would help them and support them yeah, there may not be the superior thing to do because the superior thing to do is to stand on your own feet and so on and so forth, get married and so on and so forth. But there are some people who have done this with full ikhlas and people, people have helped them out. So there are some people like that. So what I'm, what, now that I reflect over that, I'm thinking that because some people are you don't want to get on the wrong side of certain people like this because having enmity for the wali of Allah is very dangerous. 
because then Allah declares war against you. So, if you don't want to give, then you pleasantly refuse somebody. That's what the Quran mentions anyway. You know, that's the way we do things. Unless you know for sure somebody's an imposter, then you do Amr Marnahin al Munkar. But otherwise, if you've got a doubt or you can't give, then you pleasantly refuse them. Give them a dua or something, and you pleasantly refuse them. At least you don't get on the wrong side of them. And that's why now I remember, I remember in Mauritania when we went and we were going to, on the last day we were going to Senegal and he stopped on the, on the way and he said, look at this faqir and he gave him something specifically and he was kind of dressed uh, strange and everything like that. So, Wallahu alam. There are different types of people and sometimes the, these awliya may be, become majdhub which means they're not in their senses, they've, they've kind of been over, overcome, they've lost their kind of senses. Very few of them, not, not, not majority of them, this is very few that happens sometimes. Somebody just loses it. Khair anyway, going back to this. So he says, you're a faqir, you are a burden upon people and people have to assist you and help you out. How long are you going to keep on doing this? You know, obviously you have an intention that you should be able to spend on your brothers as well. You should be able to help people as well. Don't you have that in your mind? That you also look after your neighbors and you can eat fully for uh, sometimes and that you become independent from the people? Now, that's a nice proposition. Yes, obviously getting to the core of his, uh, his, his state. So... He said, yes, of course. Now remember, he doesn't know he's Iblis. He thinks he's this feisty man, who's old man, who thinks he can stop him. right? But then he seems to maybe have some respect for him by getting off and listening to him as well. I'm just analyzing. right? So then the person said, well, leave this matter alone. Don't go and cut this tree down. And it's my responsibility now that you every night when you go to sleep you will find two dinars by your on your pillow when you go to sleep so in the morning when you wake up you'll have two dinars not dirhams two gold pieces that's a lot of money so in the morning you can take them spend them on yourself on your family you can give sadaqah with them uh, you can help your neighbors out and everything like that and that's going to be more beneficial for the muslimin and for yourself than going and cutting that tree it's going to be more beneficial Because if you cut that tree, they're just going to plant another one there. Whereas this is going to be more beneficial, you can do more with it. So they're not really going to be harmed by you cutting that tree. And your friends and people around you, they're not going to benefit by that either. What would you do in that situation? What would we do in that situation? I'm still going to cut it. Yes, that sounds kind of right. What is the right answer here? Is there a right answer here? I don't know. I think it's more about your intention. Anyway, so the Abid thought for a while and then he said, he thought to himself that this guy is right. This old man is right. I'm not a prophet. So, because remember, the, among the Bani Israel, the, the ulama have to think differently in this case because the ulama are the, like the prophets of the Bani. The Prophet said that. The ulama of this ummah are like the prophets of the Banu Israel. Because the Banu Israel, they had prophets just like we have ulama. They were the ulama of the, they had some, they had wahi, but they would be so many, one in each tribe. That's why you had 
uh, assistants like Harun helping his brother Musa Isa was a prophet at the same time as Yahya was there. So you can see that uh, they had a lot of prophets at that time. Uh, we have a concept of a prophet only of Rasulullah because that's who we relate to. There's only one prophet for all time, all places. You know, but he is the he's unique in that regard. He is Rahmatulil Adameen wa ma arsalnaka illa kafatin nas. You are sent for all people. So that, that's a different kind of concept. So he thought, anyway, he thought that, yeah, this man seems to be telling the truth. It's not really necessary for me to cut this tree. I don't, I'm not a prophet. And neither has Allah commanded me to cut this tree. So then I, that means I'm not going to really be a sinner if I don't cut it. I'm not going to be guilty of not cutting it. And then what he's mentioned, obviously that's of great benefit. That's of greater benefit. So he made a deal with him that that's what it will be. And he also swore an oath that he will agree to this. He went back to his, uh, his retreat, his place of worship, went to sleep. And as stipulated in the morning, he wakes up to two dinars. He takes them likewise the next day. And on the third day when he gets up, he doesn't find the dinars. So he gets very angry now that he hasn't kept his part of the deal. The man hasn't kept his part of the deal. Takes his, takes his axe again on his shoulder and again this Iblis comes in front of him in the form of this old man. He says, where are you going now? I'm going to cut that tree. I'm going to cut that tree. Not that I'm going to sort you out. I'm going to cut that tree. Right? He said, you're a liar. You're a liar. You have no ability to cut that tree. You're just claiming that. There's no way you can cut it. So now the Abid grabbed him or tried to grab him to do exactly what he did because he's a, he was an easy put down. He was an easy person to wrestle to the ground. And this time the Iblis, this old man, grabbed him and put him down with no problem. It says, فَإِذَا هُوَ كَالْعُسْفُورِ بَيْنَ رِجْلَيْهِ it was just like a little bird that you've captured. You couldn't do anything. So Iblis came and sat on his... This old man came and sat on his chest. And he said, You either drop this mission or I'm going to slaughter you right now. So this Abid, he realized that he's got... Because he can feel that he's got no power over this person. This guy's got some amazing superpower all of a sudden. Like I can't do anything with him. Right? So he said, okay, you've overcome me, let me go, and, but I want you to tell me how you've gained this power over me, how you've become so strong and overpowered me. Because before I used to overpower you, and now you're overpowering me. So he said, the first time when you overpowered me, your anger was for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your niyyah was the akhirah, that was your intention. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subjugated me for you. Allah gave you dominance over me. Remember, this is the shaitan now speaking, right? This time your anger was for yourself. You got personal, you made it personal, right? And for the dunya, so that's why I was able to overcome you. What this story tells us, Imam Ghazali mentions this story and he says that this story just confirms what Allah says that إِلَّا عِبَادَكَ مِنْهُمُ الْمُخْلَصِينَ Shaitan, you can have power over all people except 
Uh, no, Shaitan said this. I will have power over all people to make them do whatever I want except your servants who are mukhlisin for you, who truly do things for you, who have the correct intention for you. Right? So what you understand from this is that a servant, a slave of Allah, cannot overcome the shaitan except with ikhlas. A person needs ikhlas to overcome the shaitan. If you have ikhlas, shaitan will have less effect on you. Now you can understand why there's so many people that are so deluded when it comes to even dini activities. The less knowledge they have, the more deluded they will be. They want to do something for the faith. All these people, uh, you know, all these feminists and so on, I mean, some of them have, uh, they think they have ikhlas. They think they're doing it for the right reason. But the, the knowledge is what kills them. Then you have other people who have knowledge, but it's riya and absence of ikhlas which kills them. Allahu Akbar. That's why Ma'roof al-Karhi, one of the great uh, awliya who's buried in, in Baghdad, Karhi is in Baghdad, he used to hit himself and he used to say, Ya nafs akhlisi takhallasi. Have ikhlas, O oh, nafs, have ikhlas and you will escape from the shaitan. Akhlisi takhallasi. Have ikhlas, you will be, pure, you, you'll be uh, saved from the shaitan. Ya'qub al-Makfuf, he used to say that the mukhlis is the one who hides his deeds, his good deeds, just as he would hide his bad deeds. So he's not showing off, he's doing it purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the most difficult positions to be in is when you're in the field of da'wah. Da'wah, when you are lecturing, teaching, as an activist, or whatever it may be, as a scholar, activist, whatever it may be, that is the most difficult because you are in so public a site. And then today, the tools of the trade are like Facebook and Twitter and things of this nature. And fans and all that kind of stuff. Right? It's, it's dangerous. That's why people actually, I'm your fan, they say that to you. I said, I, it took me a while to even get used. You know, once you, once somebody says that to you so much, you get kind of get used to it eventually that it doesn't sound as unusual anymore, right? But the first time somebody said that, what are you talking about? You know, because you, we equate fan and all that with some kind of star or something. So that's happening now. It happens so much. I mean, I was in Hajj, there's a number of people, they go, oh, we hear lectures, I'm a fan of yours. There's an Egyptian doctor that was with me, mashallah, he, I'm your fan. I said, what are you talking about, man? It's just so uncomfortable. Now, if you start thinking, yeah, that's nice, you know. And that kind of thought will come because that's what shaitan will use to, uh, to spoil your action. I'm not doing, you're not doing much anyway and, you know, then shaitan wants to spoil that much. It's a different world we live in. I don't think anybody would go and say, I'm your fan before. I don't think any of the ulama dealt with that 20 years ago. I'm your fan. But it's, we've, moved into that kind of culture or that kind of culture has become mainstream and the Muslims have taken that up 20 years ago, 30 years you think somebody would come to Ghazali and say I'm your fan yeah I guess they used to say things like you know and mashallah you benefit they, they used to talk about that but this fan thing maybe they've got they're, they're, they're sincere in what they're saying fan means you know I listen to you I benefit and all that but I don't think they should use the word fan it just takes it on the wrong track. Isn't the words are powerful? Words also manipulate a person. 
So somebody might have ikhlas in the way he says something, but it's it's dangerous. Allah help us all. Allah help us all. That's why uh, one of the other mashayikh, they say, Tuba liman sahat lahu khutwatun wahida la yuridu biha illa Allah ta'ala. Glad tidings for the one who even for for whom even one step is correct and valid. Like if he gets even one step valid, that's so powerful that you get glad tidings for that such a step in which he ha, he intends nobody but Allah subhanahu wa taala. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu says uh, wrote to Abu Musa al-Ashari radiyallahu anhu. Abu Musa al-Ashari was one of his governors, right, in one of the cities. So he wrote to him and he said that man khalusat niyatu kafahu Allah taala ma bainahu wa bain al-nas. Whoever's niyyah becomes pure then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will suffice in between him and, and the people. Allah will suffice that relationship. And that's why another one said that make sure your niyyah in your actions is pure and a small amount of action will then suffice you. That's the problem though. Uh, Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani says that to purify the niyyah on actions is more severe than all the deeds that you will do. That is so difficult to get it right. It's almost like I'll give you an example of this. <clears throat> if you want to produce something, it's very easy to produce something in huge numbers that is not very a refined product. <clears throat> You're going to sell it in the pound shops, right? So you could go to China, find any, you know, have a concept or whatever and just make the product, but it falls apart. You can do much better, you should be able to do with it. Now, if you wanted to really refine a product, how long is that going to take? You'll need a laboratory, you'll need experts, you'll need testing, you'll need a lot of money, you'll need a lot of wealth. Then you get a khalis product, you get a purified product, but what's the benefit of this product going to be as compared to that one pound product? Can you see the difference? Right? So it's the same kind of thing. Either we do lots of broken actions here and there and we're just doing it and enjoying the, 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 the huge amount that's coming from there, but people aren't happy, Allah is not happy, you know. Uh, the other option is do a refined action. So although there is going to be a small amount of action, but you can't do a small amount of action by just doing it a bit. There's going to be a lot of mind. And as you know, in our path, the whole thing about this is not lots of dhikr that you just show. It's really about the state of the heart and wukuf qalbi because that's what we do dhikr for, is to gain wukuf qalbi. And to gain wukuf qalbi, sorry, with wukuf qalbi, with your the concept, with the focus of your heart on Allah subhanahu wa taala at all times, that's what's going to benefit you. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala give us the tawfiq. May Allah give us the tawfiq. May Allah give us the tawfiq that whatever we do, Allah grant us the real ikhlas in it. Allah grant us the real ikhlas in it, because the way is fraught with all of these difficulties. Allahumma antasallamu kassalam tabarakiyyad al-jalali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qiyum wa rahmati kanastaghif. سبحان الله العلي العلى الوهاب اللهم أنت السلام وإنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا ورزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لوالدينا ولمشائخنا ولأساتذتنا ولطلابنا ولإخواننا ولأخواتنا ولأصدقائنا ولأزواجنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم واعف عنهم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لموتان المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك أو الله أو الله accept our gathering أو الله accept our 
sitting here, O oh Allah, make it for your sake. O oh Allah, grant us ikhlas. O oh Allah, grant us ikhlas. O oh Allah, grant us sincerity. O oh Allah, grant us single-minded focus on your worship. O oh Allah, the little bit of worship that you, you that we do, O oh Allah, make that purified, make that pure for you. O oh Allah, try, keep our focus completely and entirely upon you and away from others. O oh Allah, it is so easy to fall down in this regard. It is easy to be misled in this regard. O oh Allah, grant us ikhlas, grant us pure purity in our deeds. O oh Allah, grant us purity in our deeds. O oh Allah, what a state it will be that the bit of deeds that we have done on the day of judgment, if they are cancelled out and you say to us that you did that for somebody else and they said they praised you, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, what a loss that will be. O oh Allah, what a loss that will be. O oh Allah, grant us focus on the hereafter. Make that a reality for us in our minds. Make that a reality for us in our minds. O oh Allah, whatever deeds we're doing, whatever kind of functions we're doing, whatever kind of worship that we may be doing, whatever assistance we may be giving to anybody else, whatever we may be doing to assist anybody else, O oh Allah, make that all purely for your sake. O oh Allah, make our entire life for your sake. O oh Allah, make our entire life for your sake. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, become a reality for us. O oh Allah, you are a reality, but O oh Allah, we sometimes become deluded and veiled. O oh Allah, you become a reality for us. O oh Allah, cut the veils between us. Remove the veils between us. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, make our hearts yours. O oh Allah, make our hearts yours. O oh Allah, make our hearts the way you want them to be. Make your obedience beloved. Make your satisfaction beloved to our hearts. Make your satisfaction beloved to our hearts. O oh Allah, keep our gaze and our focus completely and entirely upon you. O oh Allah, keep our gaze focused entirely upon you and nobody else. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq to do, to do deeds that are purely for your sake and keep us in your protection. O oh Allah, keep us in your protection. O oh Allah, keep us in your protection. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.